Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. What we're going to do is we're going to look at faith, and I titled it Faith 101. And you know what? Just to let you know that Faith 101 is actually everything about God's faith. It is the power in the life of faith. The issue is, is that faith has become or made into something that is so out there or only for those that are at a certain spiritual level. And there has been so many different teachings and instruction concerning faith that I believe robbed the church and the world of the ability to operate in this supernatural power. The supernatural power is going to be revealed because we have a wrong picture or view of faith. And I want us to understand what it is because it's something that you can be living in right now. You can experience this picture of supernatural impact in your life right now. And it has zero to do with, are you good enough? Have you been reading enough? Have you been praying enough? Have you been fasting enough? Are you a good witch or a bad witch? It has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with belief. And that's what we're going to look at. So I want you to look in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It is impossible to please God without faith. You must have faith. And then defined by a lot of these people as something that normal people can't have, only the spiritual. (coughs) No, 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 no. And believe me, I've been there, done that, and I've been sucked into that goofiness. And I'm telling you right now, it is not what the Bible teaches. And what we want is we want the truth of God's word. I mean, everywhere in in scripture, in the New Testament, Paul and Peter and James, John, they're all, they all warn us against religion and religious ideology filtering back into the new covenant. And that's an issue that Jesus dealt with when he was here on earth, walking in on earth. He had to deal with the religious. They love legalism and works. And that's even tied to faith. People love to pump up their spiritualism because they feel it meets that that need that they have to have above and beyond people. It's so ugly. We need to understand something. This scripture is written for the common folk. And actually, that's everybody. It wasn't written for the super saints. Because y'all are super saints. The moment you receive Jesus, you're a super saint. It isn't about how much you pray or how long you pray or how much you read or what you read or don't read or what you study or don't study. It has zero to do with any of that. And that's what I'm going to bring to life because I want you to get this. I don't want church to be a turn off. I want to be a turn on. Church, listen, for, for years, and it is a lot of churches, for years and years and years, it has been something that has been irrelevant. And even when the, 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 the church is trying to teach God's grace and, and love and things like that, they end up tying it to works anyways. So what happens, it robs the word of God of power. And that's what we have to understand. The word was written for power. For us to live a life of power, to experience power every single day of our lives. So I'm hoping right now that you're going to get that power operating and continuing in it. Because that's what we've already confessed and that's what we're expecting. So let's look at this scripture again. It says Hebrews eleven six, 6, but without faith. Now faith is the Greek word pistis, pistis. And what that is, it's a firm belief or it's a trust. So the word actually is, is you could take faith out and put 
a, a trusting belief, a strong belief in someone or something. That could be defined in scripture. But without this strong belief, without this strong belief, and the reason why I want you to see this is because, see, what we do in life is, is we, because we're created this way, we operate in life through definition. And what do I mean by that is, is we live life based according to definitions that we have that has been trained up in us. Things that we've created through our, 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 our younger training growing up into our life experiences. And so we define words and by those defining of those words, we live our life. And that's why when you, when you talk about love or you're speaking about God's love, you can talk to all kinds of Christians and they're going to define it in a different way unless they define it according to scripture. And that's what brings us into this, this oneness or unity. But what happens is, is, and you all know this, that you can have people that are friends or marriages or close friendships, whatever, and each one has this picture of love that's different than the other person. Now that's their definition of love. Now, what is it based upon? Their experiences. So that can be very, very difficult in a lot of relationships that people have because their past might be filled with zero love or, or very little love or con a major conditional love where you have to perform, perform, perform to get love. And that's sad because they're now operating their lives tied to that definition. So what do they do? This isn't like a, a bad heart. It's something where they start now through just because of how they define these things, they now demand it from other people. They demand their definition to be lived out. And that's why it gets so messed up in church is because we're not coming to this place of allowing God's word to redefine these truths, these understandings. And we want it. We want this redefining because this is what's going to change my life. Because if I stay focused in on everything that I understood in the past, I will stay this way. And that's why Romans 12, 2 says that we have to renew the mind. We have to change out this old way of thinking and put in new way of thinking. Yeah, yeah you receive Jesus. And yeah, you're, you're a child of his. But you're not going to change unless you change this. This has to change. And so what we have to do is we have to allow this information to enter in and get down. Get down into our hearts so we can start applying these truths. And this is so vital for success. And you know what? It'll set you free. It brings freedom to your life. It will totally and completely bring this, this, this relationship with Jesus into a, a, a whole new level. It, it, listen, works and trying to prove things to the Lord just don't matter anymore. He loves you. Period. God loves you. Jesus loves you. The love has already been defined. So if I'm reading the Bible or not, it doesn't change his love for me. It stays the same. I need to recognize that. But also I need to understand that this place of faith is for very, very important because without it, it's impossible to please God. Now, you might be thinking, well, that, that's, that's, we got to please God. It's just common language in relationship. You have parents that, that you want to please. You have friends you want to please. You have, yeah, listen, this is how we live life. And the greater the relationship, the more desire to what? Please. And what is God wanting? He's wanting to experience just like we do. We're created in his image, his likeness. And what is that? To have pleasure. You all love pleasure. Every one of you. And there are a lot of things that we can't have pleasure in because we're in quarantine. Are you hearing me? And you know that if you weren't, there would be a lot more pleasure going on in your life, correct? Correct. So that's not a negative thing on you. That's not something terrible of you, that you're wanting pleasure, where God's wanting pleasure is all. And you need to understand something. His pleasure is always tied to our success. 
That's what pleases God. I'm a, I'm a papa. I'm a dad. And there's nothing that gives me more great pleasure than to see my kids operating in a level of confidence and trust in our home, in our lives, where they, where they realize and recognize, you know, what it means to be a part of our family and where we can be free and love and enjoy one another. And that's exciting. And, and when you hear and see them doing the right things, it brings pleasure. This isn't selfishness. This isn't self-centeredness. This isn't an old God up there going, you need to please me. Zero to do with anything like that. But everything to do with a relationship. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Why? Relationship. He wants to be close with you. Oh my gosh, this is great. Great news. Great news. It says here, without faith, this firm belief, it is impossible to satisfy or bring pleasure to God. For he who comes to God must believe. Everybody say believe. Say it again. Believe. Now that word is very important because it's the word pestuyo. And what it means is to have complete confidence in. He who, must, he who comes to God must have complete confidence in. In what? Confidence in that he is, that he exists. I have complete confidence that God is alive, that God is real. Complete confidence in. The sad thing is, is for years in my Christian walk, I didn't know he loved me in his existence. And because of my lack of knowledge, because of my lack of information, I lived a different type of relationship with a God I believed existed. And what God wants you to see is, is that he not only wants you to recognize that he exists, but the second part is amazing. He says, and that he is a rewarder. That the Greek word for reward literally means the one who pays wages. The one who pays wages. God is saying this. You want to operate in faith? Have this confident trust in me. Believe that I exist, but don't believe I just exist. Believe that I'm a rewarder. I pay wages to those that, what? That are seeking me. Not, it does not say for those that are perfect. For those that know how to speak in King James language. No. He says for those that seek him. And your heart is as you're looking and you're desiring to know God. He's right there. And we have to connect with that living father that loves us so much. And that's what this scripture says. We operate in this trust and this confidence in our belief that God is. He's alive. And not only is he alive, but he's a God that wants to reward his family, reward his kids. Is that awesome? How is he going to reward us? Why would he reward us? Because we're walking in, the Bible says, faith or that trust. If you read the Old Testament and you're just studying the Old Testament, you will see that God's main action in that time period is, is trying to get Israel to trust him. And what did Israel continually do? Not trust him. If you look at the very beginning, the very beginning with Adam and Eve, the enemy comes in and he does what? He manipulates information to get Eve to not trust God. The very beginning. What is John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What is his information going to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. He comes in and starts manipulating. Does God really? Does God really? Does he really? And all of a sudden, Eve comes to a place of the information she has and starts questioning the information. And with the questioning information, opens the door. But not trusting God. That's it. And through this whole picture of the Old Testament, 
That's what we continue to see. God delivering, the people being set free, and then they slide back into no trust. No trust. See, faith isn't an operation when you can't trust. You know this, people. Every one of you understand this. In normal relationships, you get this. You get it completely. When you lack that trust, it affects everything. But when trust is built, when confidence is built, rewards take place. Are you guys seeing this? Let's look at this scripture in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, that's, that says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, I know. You read that and like, it, it makes it more difficult. And I remember being taught these things early on in my walk. And I remember the more I was taught, the more I got screwed up. It became so much of something that I would never be able to attain to or have. And all it is is saying that faith is the substance of things that hope for. The heavens of things not seen. And what I want you to look at is, is what does it say as far as the information broken down in a way that we can look at it as an ABC. One plus one equals two. The simplified version of this scripture. Listen, faith is not a religion. It's not a religious action. Faith is not this, this super formula. And, I, and for years early on in my walk, I, there were so many different formulas of strong faith, super faith. I remember one time believing God, we were believing God for kids. I remember this Christian, he had like 20. Well, he wasn't that 20, but he had like eight kids. And he comes up to me and he's a Bible school graduate. And he said, you're standing in faith for kids, aren't you? And I said, yeah. He goes, then why haven't you had any? I was taken back by that, and I went, what, what do you mean? Why haven't I had any? He said, because if you had faith, you'd already have kids. I, I, well, my first thought was, is I want to punch him. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was a youth pastor, so I wasn't at a real righteous level of being a pastor yet. So my first thought is, I really want to punch him. But then I realized that ain't going to do any good. So I sat back and I thought, wow, I really didn't have a comeback or anything, anything to say to him other than, wow. And I walked away from that really with my heart just sort of sunk because, see, it wasn't, it wasn't what he said that affected me more than what I started to believe. And see, that started questioning me in the sense of, why hasn't it? And you see, this is the problem with when we don't know the truth. The tendency is, is we want to create the truth. Listen, friend, there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't know. Do you understand that? Listen, it doesn't make you spiritual to have answers all the time. It makes you a know-it-all. You have to recognize there's nothing wrong with going, I don't know. But I believe. I don't know. But this is what I'm standing in faith on. See, there's a whole lot of people that want to manipulate you toward their beliefs. Manipulate to their walk. And I'm telling you, there's no one perfect out there. And there's no one that's got it all together. I mean, the closest one that I know after Jesus was Paul. And even Paul said, I don't have it all. I still press in. I'm still working to attain. I mean, this is the heart of Paul that, that when you look at scripture, you think this guy's got the revelation. But no, nah, he would never get to that place where I'm all that. I don't need anything else. No, he kept pressing in. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to continue to press in and continue to focus forward into these truths. Because this has to become simple, not difficult, very simple. Why would 
God send Jesus to die for us all to live a life that was difficult, that was hard, that had no ability to attain unless we became so perfect and righteous as Jesus. And a lot of faith teachers love, they love to present this, you know, super, I'm, I'm, I'm so much higher level than y'all. And then they, then they program information in the sense of faith can be received, but you have to be holy. You have to be perfect. You have to pray as much as we pray. You have, to, you have to believe the way we, and it just turns into just ugly. And that's not what scripture teaches at all. Jesus himself said, you've got to get a childlike faith to enter into my kingdom. You've got to get to the place where this belief system becomes so simple. And we all have been there. We all have been in that position of life where at one time we were saying, I'm going to be an astronaut. And you didn't say that other than what you believed. I'm going to be an astronaut and I'm going to fly to the moon. And as a child, you believe it. And the next day you're going, I'm going to be an ice cream man. And you're like, ha, ha, you can do anything. Because we believe these things. We weren't filled with no's and never can happen and it's impossible. We were filled with this child mind that said, I can do anything and be anything. We have to have adults screwing us over. We have to have people to screw us over because all kids believe big until they start getting what? They start getting infected by other people's lives. And that's what affects life itself. We need to receive. We need to experience this truth. Amen? We need this truth. Faith is not perfection. In other words, you don't have to be holy. You don't have to be perfect. I'll prove this. I'm going to prove this. Faith is substance. Substance. This is a compound word. Hupostesis is a compound word where two words are brought together. And this is so important because the term substance in the Greek is going to show us something. It literally means to stand. To stand and then by. So you have the two words, by and to stand. By is a preposition and it's establishing an action of something. So literally it's stating this, that faith is... A stance, a stance. Now, this is so important because, again, it, it's not faith is an ability to speak spiritual. Faith is walking in air or being able to praise the Lord in spiritual lifestyle. No, it's ability to stand. Faith is the position of and standing. But what? Position standing in what? Faith is the standing in faith, firm belief, standing for what? Things hoped for. Faith is the position or belief, the belief, the trust, standing in that belief and trust for what? Elpizo, a confident expectation. So we have a position of belief standing for a confident expectation. In other words, your position of faith is trust and belief in the, in the word of God. Trust and belief in what you hear concerning the word of God and standing on that trust and belief with an expectation for whatever it is that you're hearing to receive. This is so important. Faith is belief confidently, trusting God, standing in a confident expectation tied to what? 
our abilities? No. Tied to God's truth. God's word. Now, you might be thinking, okay, now I, I, I'm seeing, but I'm, I, I'm still not getting now this, the, the word of God. Is it, is it, do I have to memorize scripture? Do I have to? No, 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 no. That's, that's where we get off. We're, we're now starting into works. We're trying to create a formula of spiritualism. And that's not all what this is teaching. This is teaching a place where you become so confident in your relationship that when you hear about the truths of God's word. When you hear about these truths, what happened? They become confident and you expect them to happen to you. That's what God wants you to understand. Now, I want you to see something. You look at um, Mark chapter five, and we're gonna go in there and I want you to, I, I, I'm gonna talk about a story concerning the woman that was hemorrhaging for 12 years. The Bible says she had the issue of blood or she was hemorrhaging blood for 12 years. It's an amazing story because it is going to give a picture or a, a view of faith that's so entirely different than a whole lot of people instruct concerning faith. Because we're talking about a lady that is not, quote, a follower of Jesus. She's not even saved. She's a Jewish lady that's broke right now. Completely broke. She's lost all her money because she's gone to all these physicians to try to fix her bleeding problem. Add on the issue of the bleeding. Now there's the law that she has to deal with which means she is quarantined from going to church. Quarantined from people. That's what this Leviticus chapter 15 talks about this. That this is what's happened when a woman is, has a blood issue that she's untouchable and has to be moved aside, quarantined. This lady has been quarantined for 12 years. She's also broke because no doctor has been able to help her. She's an outcast in society. She doesn't go to church. Come on. She's not reading her scripture. She's not reading the Bible. She's not spending hours of prayer every day, worshiping, praising God, specifically quoting specific healing scripture. No. What we're going to see is we're going to see a picture of faith where, where, where we need to understand what God's showing us so we can quit making this, quote, belief, faith walk difficult. And I'm going to tell you right now, once we free ourselves, that's when the church is relevant. That's when we mean something in the society. When people that are normal or outside of normal can look at this and start moving into this, this beautiful supernatural uh, uh, power that is available to every single person. Saved, unsaved. You may be thinking, what, what, what do you mean unsaved? How'd you get saved? You tell me. Because according to scripture, it was grace through faith. Oh, yeah, that's right. It, you weren't even saved. But to get saved, you had to have what? You had to have faith. Oh, yeah. I'm talking to a whole bunch of you out there. You're hearing something. You're going, well, this don't sound church like this ain't church stuff, what I'm used to hearing. Exactly. We shouldn't sound like church. We just sound like Jesus. I mean, this is what he died for, to create the church. Us, believers, followers of him. And so we have this lady, and it's in Mark chapter 5, verse 25, and I'll start reading. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, when she what? Heard about Jesus. When I was studying this scripture out, this, I just felt so compelled to look at this word about. Now I understand what the word 
Hear is in the Greek, and it literally is, is the word to hear something. But I felt so impressed to look at about. Because, see, I'm looking at this scripture and saying, and she heard about Jesus. And, and you can take that and go, okay, she heard about Jesus and move on. And it makes sense, and it's, and it's fine. But this is what just totally got me so, so fired up about this. It's the Greek word peri, and it literally means to kindle a fire. To kindle a fire, to get sticks together and start a fire. And I thought, oh my gosh, this shows the picture of what is happening in her heart. Someone came to her, someone that was breaking the law, someone that went beyond what everybody was. Don't you get near here? Don't don't go by her. She's unlawful to get near. Somebody went to her. And said, I don't care. She needs to hear this. And that person started telling her about what Jesus was doing. The Bible says that Jesus went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Jesus healed all. I mean, we see scripture after scripture after scripture of Jesus healing restoring, making people whole, delivering, setting free. That's the Lord we serve. And by the way, that's the God we believe in because Jesus said, I don't do anything. I don't say anything other than what comes from the Father. Come on, hear what I'm saying. That person started telling her about Jesus and what I see through scripture. She started hearing and a fire started erupting within her. This ain't a believer. This isn't someone that's been going to church. This isn't someone that has scriptures memorized. This is someone that's an outcast, hopelessness, broke. Maybe someone like you, someone like me. got issues. But the story of Jesus starts a fire. See, I believe this with all my heart. I believe when you talk about the truth of Jesus, it kindles a fire within you, a fire of hope, a fire of belief, a fire of confidence, a fire that things don't have to stay the same. And I believe that I believe that I believe that this woman started building this fire of, if I could just get to him, if I could, if I could get to, if I could just get close to him. And that's what she was saying to himself. If I could just, if I can just touch, if I can just barely touch something about him, I will be healed. What? That is power faith. That's a faith that people write 20 books to try to define. This woman, this broke, non-church woman that has no relationship at all with the Lord. She hasn't been fasting and praying for 40 days and 40 nights. No. She started hearing good news. She started hearing hope. And it started building a fire within this lady. And you know, she's been losing blood for so long, she's got to be weak. And according to what we read in the scripture, it says that they were pressing against Jesus and they were all headed in a direction to go heal Jairus's daughter, who's 12 years old. She's dying. And this lady, this weak, weak lady, starts pushing herself in the crowd. Forcing her way in where everybody wants to be around Jesus. See, everybody had the opportunity to touch him. Listen, they were touching him. They were banging on him. They were holding on to him. They were pressed against him. But they weren't what? Operating in faith. What? They weren't believing. That's all. They weren't believing. Every person that was around Jesus could have been healed of something, set free from something. Y'all know they needed it. These are some crazy people. 
And this lady built enough strength of belief, of confidence, of standing in this faith. If I could just touch him, and she presses and pushes and pushes. She's just getting in there and just focus. And then she reaches that weak hand and just ah, touches it. Release of power enters her. She fit, the Bible says she felt her body dry. And Jesus looks and goes, guys, who touched me? Now, disciples, you all know how cool they are. They got their act together. And they are always on top of their spiritual game. And they look to Jesus and go, were you kidding me? Everybody's touching you. I mean, don't you love the disciples? I mean, hey, insert our names in there. We'd be just as dumb as they are. But I'm telling you, I love reading. I love <laughs> It just cracks me up sometimes how they react. Now, again, we're in a different position, so we can do that. But I'm telling you, oh, my gosh, can you imagine what they're doing? And I love to imagine. I love to get in God's word and place myself in it. And, and, and it just, I get so excited because it comes alive to me. But I can imagine these disciples. First of all, you know they're trying to do crowd control. Hey, sit back, sit back, sit back. You're, you're pressing in too much, and they're getting pushed around. You know, it's almost like they're at the, you know, they're at the front of the line of Costco with toilet paper ready to go. I'm going to get some of that. And so here we have that taking place. And what do we see? We see that young, that lady reaching out, touching. Receiving healing, Jesus felt the, the power leave, and he's going, who did that? Disciples are going, were you crazy? Everybody's touching you. What do you mean, who did that? He sees the lady. She's like going, he caught me. It's like a kid in a cookie, you know, hand in a cookie jar, you know? And she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know, is this wrong? Hey, come on, come on, come on, come on. Listen to me. She doesn't know if it's wrong or right. Did she do bad? Was, well, she, she's interrupting his trek to Jairus' daughter, as a matter of fact, because of this hindrance, it could have produced the death of Jairus' daughter. Now, I don't know that, but we do know that she did die when Jesus was on the way. Either way, it's not an issue with the Lord. All I'm saying is, is look at the picture. Look at the picture of faith. It's not as squeaky, super spiritual as you thought it was. No, it becomes so one plus one equals two. It becomes so simple. It's, it's this place of, I heard a story, and I believe it. And I'm going to act on that belief. This is what's transformed my life. I've been doing this 35 plus years. I got saved when I was five, working in ministry when I was 10. Just kidding. The point is, is this. Been through the religious mumbo jumbo. I've done the Bible college. I've been really screwed up in my doctrines, my theology. But one thing that's never been screwed up in my life is my heart. So I could have got wrong instruction or wrong teaching or things that I maybe took to a different level than I should have. But this heart has always directed me in a correct way. So I've always been able to adjust and repair. I'm not going to stand to my guns on my doctrine unless it is one plus one equals two truth. And there are certain truths in God's word that are unchangeable, unmovable in my life. They'll never change. There's no higher revelation. There's a higher understanding of the truth, but there's no higher revelation of the truth. I know God loves me, period. Period. And it will not stop. I know he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I know that. So there are certain things that I know that I know that I know. I know that God's a healer. It doesn't matter if I, my, my nose is running or my throat itches, or I've got, you know, you know, whatever pain going on. It doesn't matter because I know what God's word says. So I'm going to stand on what his word says, not on the pain I have. 
Why? Because that's my faith. I'm going to believe him over what I'm dealing with. I don't walk around going, I'm not sick and I got snot running down my nose. That's not faith. Faith is my confident belief in my relationship and trust in God that his word is true and it belongs to me. That's faith. Not trying to be deceptive or try to con my own self. That is not faith. We've flipped scripture to follow our works mindset. We twisted the scripture, even in the area of your confession of faith, in the sense of, if I'm not dogmatic, if I don't align completely with this and make sure I only say, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I can't be healed. You're moving in dangerous territory. You're in works. Because now it's based upon how many times you say it. See, the truth of the matter is, do you believe God's word or not? That's it. Oh, I can blow my nose. I can, I can you know, have an itchy throat. I can have a, a, a pain in my body. That doesn't eliminate or rob God's word from my life. His word is true. No matter what I'm experiencing, no matter what I'm going through, his word is true. I don't understand a lot of calculus, actually. I don't understand any calculus. None at all. But I do know one plus one equals two. I know that. I don't have to understand calculus. I know it's real. I know it's true. I just don't get it yet. Why? Because I haven't been taught. And I don't want to be taught. I don't need calculus. But the point is, is there is a higher level of math that I could receive if it was necessary. It's our walk. There's a lot of things that we need to understand. You might not be at the higher level of knowledge in the area that you're desiring to grow in, but you need to understand the elementary state of one plus one equals two is the key to your success. I'm going to get the benefit of the calculus by knowing one plus one equals two. Why? Because I'm not going to question it. I know it's real. I know it's real. And that's my stance of faith. She got to a place of what? Mega faith. Strong faith. Unmovable faith. Based upon what? Do you hear what I'm saying? Based upon what? Her years of studying a scripture, her Bible college, her church attendance? No! Someone talked to her about how good Jesus is. Someone didn't feel the story of Jesus with a bunch of religious, goofy stuff. Stop wearing this, stop saying this, stop looking this way, stop talking this way. You know how church people can get? Jesus loves you only if you change your hair color. Jesus loves you. Hide those tats. Jesus loves you. You can't wear that into church. That's ridiculous. Jesus loves you, period. Exclamation mark. If you do any of those things, it don't matter. If you don't do any of those things, it don't matter. Jesus loves you. That's the life of faith. I've been, you know, I talk about my story and I talk about the place of faith. There was a time years ago, I was taking a missions trip into Guatemala. And we were going to Quetzaltenango, Guatemala, uh, other known as Shela, Guatemala. And this was my first missions trip into this high mountain region of Guatemala. And it was something that I was really excited about and looking forward to. So it took us a year to raise money to go on this missions trip. So we had approximately, I believe, 20 teenagers. And then we had um, different adults that were going to travel with us to go on this missions trip. And so it takes a year to raise, it was like about $1,800, I believe, the cost to be able for each person to go. And so we had to raise money. We had to do a whole lot of car washes, a lot of uh, walkathons, you know, all the different things that you do to raise money to go on a missions trip. So we had this going and we're about a month out. And I have this 12-year-old 
that's been a thorn in my side as a youth pastor. I mean, this kid, I, listen, I understand now why, but he was a only child in his home. His parents were older and they spoiled this kid. And he was just a mouthy little punky kid. I loved him very much. The point is, is he was just, ugh. and he comes up to me a month before the trip. And he asks me, and he's 12. Our age was 13 up. So he's going to turn 12 in the trip. I mean, 13 during the trip. But he comes up to me a month before and says, Pastor Dan, now this is Oklahoma. I believe that the Lord wants me to go on this trip. And in my head, I'm going, no, I wasn't the Lord, it was the devil. And he had this sincere look and I went, my whole, everything within me was going, no, we ain't taking you. You, you, you would, you, you're going to disrupt this thing. You're not part of the team. It's a dream team that's going. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, everything within me is going, oh my gosh, I don't want you to go. But he's so sincere. And I really don't remember seeing this. Since I've, I've seen the con face on him before. But this was so sincere, and I thought, well, if God told you to go, then the money shouldn't be an issue. I'm thinking, okay, there's my way out. You gotta make 1,800 bucks in a couple weeks. Then I realized, wait a minute, we, we already have the set amount on the, the, the airplane. We have a group rate and only this amount, and we're past the time. You can't add to it. So I'm thinking all this stuff, and I'm going, okay, you got to have the money, but also we got to be able to, we, we don't even know if we can get you on the flight. And I said, listen, if this is God, it's not an issue. In my head, I'm going, it ain't happening. But I, honestly, here, I saw his face, and I thought, let's, let's, Believe God. And so we prayed together. He said, Father, if it's your will, this ain't nothing hard. The money will come and they'll open up a seat. And we left. We ended the, our little chat. I went back into my office. I called the airlines. And I said, is it possible if we have the ability to, can we add one person? And so the lady goes, well, it's a group amount and they don't, you don't add or this. She goes, but I'll check. I wait online. I mean, not online, but on the phone. She gets back with me and she says, yes, we can add one more. I went, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? So I, I get off the phone with her. And so I'm thinking, all right, there's, that's one down. A couple days later, a guy walks up to me in the church says, I would like to pay the whole amount for this person to go on the trip. I went, are you kidding me? This guy, this little rebellious 12-year-old, got a candle in his heart. And now he's sitting there believing God in a couple days when it's been almost a year for us to raise money. It's been a whole lot of cars we washed. A whole lot of work going on. And this little punk, this little Christian boy, all of a sudden is in two days, gets the full amount paid. The, the airlines opens the door for him and he's going on the trip. Oh my gosh. And we're just like, this is, um, this is like, wow. So we're now in Guatemala with that 12-year-old and we're doing our thing, we're doing the dramas and literally hundreds and hundreds of people are getting saved. We're seeing miracles. It is such an awesome, awesome time. And we're at the, we're about, we're about two days left to leave and they send us to a Guatemalan nursing home. No, it has nothing in, in the place of a view of a nursing home here. 
This place is nasty. I would say it's like a front door to a cemetery because literally the people are there ready to die. So we go in because we want to minister to these people. They're in their last, their last leg of life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go in and pray and we're going to sing songs. And that's what our, 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 our task at hand in ministering in this, this nursing home, which is, it was, I'm telling you, it smelled, it was nasty. And we go into this room that's probably like about 30 feet deep and only like about 10 feet wide and just benches all the way around the side. And we got these old people all around. And so we go in and we do our songs, we do this, and people start praying for people. And this gentleman looks about, I would say, he looked like 120, he probably was in his 70s, but he looked bad. He was sitting in the very back, and that 12-year-old goes up to him. We have interpreters, and he wants to pray for this guy. And the interpreter says, He's, he, he's blind, he's, he's not been able to see. The guy had white, pure white over his eyes, no pupils. So he's never, there, there's never been, he's never been able to see. And so the 12 year old goes with the interpreter and then comes walking back to me. Now I'm, in, I'm up in the front area and I'm sitting, you know, talking to people and so on and so forth. He comes up to me and goes, Pastor Dan, there's a man back there, it's blind, he needs healed. And I'm thinking, okay. Now, right away, I'm thinking, I'm going to be needing King James prayer going on right now. I'm going I'm to I'm have to I'll fast on the way there. The whole time, I'm thinking so religious in totally opposite of what I've been teaching these kids before the missions trip, all of a sudden, now I'm thinking, did I sin? I mean, uh, have, I, have I thought anything negative? And I'm trying to think, okay, Lord God, hear my prayers, Jesus. And I'm, I'm just walking, walking. And it felt like an hour to get there, which it didn't, but it felt like an hour to me because I was, I was trying to hold back as fast as I could. Just let's go, let's go slow. And that little 12-year-old's like going, dee, 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 dee. shouldn't he be on the trip? We get up to this guy, and the whole time I'm thinking, hear my prayers, God. I mean, it's like I'm on a spotlight. And the kid goes like this. Jesus, heal him. In my head, I'm going, oh, no, that ain't going to work. <laughs> we get, no, 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 we gotta, we're going to have to get a little deeper than that. The guy goes, Ooh! starts screaming. I thought, oh my gosh, did he hit him hard or something? And I'm freaking out now. And, and the white drops off his eyes. Bloop. Beautiful brown eyes come out. And I start going, ah. The old man's going, ah. I'm going, ah. And little kid's going, Jesus, 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 heal him. Jesus, heal him. What, 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 what's the moral of the story? There was no Superman faith. There was this little 12-year-old rebellious kid that got to go on the trip. He just believed. His walk wasn't perfect. His walk wasn't even spiritual. How do you get spiritual in a few weeks? You don't. What happened? He believed. He just believed. See, that's the Bible I believe in. This is the truth, what we believe here. It's not filled with religion. It's not filled with this works and this, this super spiritual attitude of, of better than thou or anything like that. We don't believe in that stuff. But we do believe what Jesus says. We believe the truths about him. And I want you to know that this ain't about you being good enough. You've already been defined as good enough by God himself. 
He said you're good enough. Hey, I get it. We're messed up. And we've got a lot of messes. We've got a lot of issues. And you've got a lot of stuff you're dealing with right now. And some can be ugly and some can be semi-ugly, whatever. But the point of the matter is this. He died for you to give you a new life. The opportunity to have the real life. To not exist in life, but to live life. That's the God we serve. I would like you to be introduced to this Jesus. You see, he's relevant. And he wants to have a connection with you. The Father loves you. You are valuable. You are wanted. You are needed. That 12-year-old was needed. He went the quick way to the point, but it changed his life forever. He didn't come back perfect, but he came back changed. And see, that's the key to his success in life from that point on. He understood there's something bigger than just him. I would like you, if you've never received Jesus, and we're not talking about this religious goofy stuff, we're talking about a reality of having a connection, a relationship with God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ that he sent because of his great love. I'm asking you to receive him. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, come on, you can do this. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. And I want you to come into my life. I receive you, Jesus, into my heart right now. And I thank you for answering my prayer, my belief, my trust in you. Thank you, Jesus for forgiving me, for setting me free, for giving me an opportunity to live life, a great life. Thank you, Jesus. If you said that, if you said that prayer, go ahead and tap on that I prayed the prayer button. Let us know that you did and do this. Send me your mailing address office at lovelifechurch.com and I'll send you a little booklet that'll help you in your new decision. Listen, I'm not going to send you anything else. You're not going to get a detailed letter of how much money we need. You're not going to get anything after this point other than that little booklet. I'm not even going to keep your address on record. I'm telling you, I'm not that way. I don't care. But what I want to do is I want to help you in your decision. And if you made that decision, it ain't going to cost you $19.95 plus $39.95 shipping and handling. I'm going to send it to you free. And read it. And let's start walking this life out. Connect with us on the services, on our Facebook. You can go to my, my Facebook. Connect. Because we do believe in you. You might not physically come here. Who is right now? I mean, come on. But the truth is, is you're now part of the family. And we're so grateful that you made that decision. For those out there, you Christians, that have been awakened by these truths, you realize, man, I've been making it too hard. Good, you woke up. Now it's time to live this life a little easier, right? A little simpler, knowing that the work is done, Jesus went to the cross for you, and this life is to be lived large because there's a world that needs this free life to be seen. And we live this free life because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Love you. Be blessed in Jesus' name.
Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.